0: and also the angels. So let's talk about them. Okay, first the cherubim. These are chubby little babies with wings, right?
1: No, you gotta get that image out of your head. Cherubim, or in Hebrew, cherubim, they're way more fascinating. They are described as hybrid creatures, a collage of different animals. And every time they do appear, they look a little bit different. That is
0: intense.
1: Yeah, they are supposed to be intimidating. They stand guard at the boundary between heaven and earth. If you see them, you know you are
0: entering the presence of the one who is above all and truly other. The first time cherubim show up in the story of the Bible, they are standing outside of the Garden of Eden. Right, the
1: garden is God's temple residence and so he places these spiritual bodyguards at the entrance so that the rebel humans can't get back in and ruin everything.
0: But the biblical story is about how God wants us back in his presence.
1: Yes, exactly. So this is why he chose the people of Israel and gave them the gift of a symbolic miniature Eden called the tabernacle and then later the Jerusalem temple. In both of these spaces, cherubim were painted and engraved all over, reminding the priests that they are working in God's presence.
0: Now, if a priest went into the Holy of Holies, he would see there a golden box called the Ark of the Covenant, and on it were two cherubim. What is going on here?
1: Well, the biblical authors describe the Ark as the footstool of God's throne, which the cherubim are carrying. Like we read in Psalm 99, God sits enthroned above the
0: cherubim. But there was no actual throne above
1: the box. Right, the Israelites weren't supposed to represent God with any physical image. But when the prophets had visions about this space,
0: they saw Yahweh sitting on his throne. Okay, so cherubim guard the sacred space, carry God's throne. But why do they look like animal mashups? Well, they are
1: symbolic representations of all the creatures of the earth because they all belong to God. This is why in Isaiah's vision, all of the creatures are singing, everything that fills the earth is God's glory. Like a choir? Yeah, through the cherubim, all creation offers
0: praise to its maker. Great, that's the cherubim. Now let's talk about angels. I'm way more familiar with them, human-like figures with feathery wings. No, wait, stop. Angels
1: in the Bible don't have wings. What? No wings? No angel wings. In fact, angels are often mistaken for people because they look like us, just a bit more impressive. But the
0: chair beam have wings.
1: Yeah, and the angels are different because they have a different
0: purpose. Okay, which is?
1: Well, humans can't just march into God's realm. So God will reach out to us and he often does so through these spiritual ambassadors.
0: So angels are like spiritual messengers.
1: Yeah, in fact, that's what the word angel means, a messenger. Right, this happens a lot in the Bible. like. The angel who tells Mary she's pregnant with Jesus. Yeah, and then the other main role of angels is to perform missions on God's behalf.
0: Sometimes they rescue people from danger, like when Peter is released from prison. And there's some really cool angels, like Michael and Gabriel. Yeah, the name Gabriel
1: means God is my power. And Michael means who is like God. But also notice, these names point to God, not to the angels. Like humans, the angels are images of God's presence and power. But still, how cool would it be to meet an angel? Yeah, and maybe you will, and maybe you already have. But no one in the Bible is ever encouraged to go looking for angels. And when angels do show up, people are usually puzzled or freaked out. So, angels are really awesome, but they
0: play a supporting role in the Bible.
1: Yes, because God's ultimate purpose is to bring humans back into his presence in a reunited heaven and earth. And in the meantime, he uses angels to guide and to serve his people.
2: All right, well, that uh, gives us a little context. Um, A couple weeks ago, just to put it all in context, we had, um, thank you, Tate. Tate's our drummer, and I asked him to get some for me. You'll see why in a second. So... um, Because I'm going to play the drums. No. Um, So, again, I think it's important to have a little context. So, um, I preached after Easter, um, between Easter and a couple weeks ago, um, you know, stay, right? Waiting for the promise. And the promise is the Holy Spirit, right? And so, we were doing that, and, and then what happened is somebody uh, spoke in tongues in our service. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody speak in another language, in an angelic language, or something from the Holy Spirit, but it, 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 it's different. I'd never heard that in the church, right? It's like, okay, what happened, right? So, so a little context, like that happened, and, and it was like, oh man, and some people have an allergic reaction to that and other people are puzzled or confused by that. And some people are like, oh yeah, I, I got a prayer language. I do that at home, right? So it's like, there's, there's different things. So what we did is, as, as leaders, as a, as a pastor, I was like, okay, we have to teach on this. Right? You can avoid 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 only so long. And then if God breaks out in your church, you've got to actually say something about it, okay? So, so I am going to preach... 1 Corinthians 13, which is right in between two very powerful passages about gifts of the Spirit, but I want to catch you up in case you weren't here. So by way of intro, we are in a series called Spirit-Filled People, right? Spirit-Filled People, okay? Just to be clear, you receive the Holy Spirit when you are saved, right? When you repent of your sin, everybody done that? Everybody know they're a sinner, first of all? Two hands up for me, all right? Two hands up. Like, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. It, it, it took me a little while to figure that out because I grew up in the church. Maybe you did too. And I didn't think my own poop smelled, right? I, really. Like, I just thought I was a good kid. I was better than everybody else. But after a while, you're like, yeah, I'm a sinner. And then I needed something. I needed a Savior. Jesus Christ, His blood payment is the covering for my sin. I don't worry about sin anymore. I am forgiven. I'm free. I hope that you live in that freedom as well. If you don't, you can. You just repent. You ask Jesus to cover your sin. He's the payment. And you move forward in a relationship with Him. Through the Holy Spirit, whom you receive at salvation. Now, we want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled again, filled again, filled again. The Bible talks about this word fullness. You want to keep getting filled until you're full, right? And when you're full, something happens. You begin to, John uh, 7, 37, 39 says, you begin to bubble up as springs of living water, right? John 4, Jesus talked about that with the woman at the well. He's like, I'll give you water, you'll never thirst again, right? So that's what we're going for. And so with that, I want you to be filled again today. I want you to be full, okay, of the Holy Spirit today. Um, go from drink to drunk, right? I don't know if you drink. I've never drank, right? I was at a restaurant. They offered me a drink this week. I'm I don't drink, right? But some people do. So if you understand that illustration, you take a drink of the Holy Spirit when you're saved, right? You want to be drunk, with the Holy Spirit. You want to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. You want Him to control your life. Just like a drunk person can't control themselves, that's how you want to be with the Holy Spirit. Now, we as Christian people, we like to be in control. I don't want alcohol to be in control. I don't want anything else to be in control. I don't want my boss to be in control of me. I don't want anybody to be in control of me. I want to control myself. That's how we are, right? Right. But there's one thing that can control your life Guide your life is probably a better way to say it than anything else. That's God Himself in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So, we're in a series called Spirit Filled People. Hopefully, that got you caught up. I'm just going to go quickly through what we've talked about so far, just by way of catch up, and then I'm going to preach from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, first week we talked about the Holy Spirit. We gave you an overview of the Holy Spirit. It was so important. So I'm going to put the things we said on the screen. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit is God. Don't treat him as less than that. Treat him as equal to God because he is. It's three in one. Revere him. Be in awe of him. Just like we are in awe of Jesus, we said the name of Jesus, we're in awe of the Holy Spirit as well. We're in awe of God the Father as well. They're three in one. All right. He's a guarantee. At the moment of salvation, he seals your life, he's a deposit, you rejoice in him, right? Do you remember the joy of your salvation? Who remembers that? January 15th, 1992, I was like, whoa! Right? I was at a basketball tournament in Dunbar, Wisconsin. I could have cared less about basketball for like 15 minutes, right? Right? Then I went back to like, oh, I really like basketball, All right? But like, it's like nothing else mattered the day I met Christ. Rejoice in Him, right? Okay, now He's a gift. All over the Bible, you'll see the Holy Spirit is a gift. Now, just like you receive salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. You do not want to just slap that box away. You want to open it. You want to let the lion out of its cage, right? So receive his filling, fullness, and then he's a guide, right? The Holy Spirit's a guide. He, you follow his lead. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to guide you, to remind you of everything I said, because you're going to forget, and you're going to need a reminder. And then the Holy Spirit is generous, right? Ask for his presence and power. Okay, so that's what we talked about the first week. Second week, which was last week, I had to catch up because I had to clean up some messes. I had to catch up by preaching two messages in one. How'd that go last week? (laughs) We're like, get rolling because you're going to be doing it again if you don't get going. All right, so empowered, yielding to the Holy Spirit, earnestly desire. Everybody say, earnestly desire. Earnestly Earnestly desire, desire, right? Earnestly desire. Like I really, really, desire is one thing. Do you have desire for anything right now? Tell me. Do you have desire for anything right now? Does that does that create some energy in your life? Yeah, okay. I have desire. I have a desire for my wife. I love my wife, right? You get in that picture. Okay, so now what happens when you earnestly desire something? That's beyond. That's more, right? That's what we're talking about. Alright. So the Bible says we should earnestly desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then it says we should earnestly desire to do our part and to play our role in unity. Okay, next. The next thing was, and this was two messages together, no division, unity in the church. Now we've seen a bit of division in our church. It's not, it doesn't scare me to say that. It's okay. I don't hate anybody that's left. I love everyone, right? Because that's what the Bible tells us to do, right? And I don't think they hate us, right? They just decided they needed to go to a different church. That's fine. It's okay. There's a lot of good churches. Remember when we talked about the body last week, it talks about the universal church, right? It's not talking about the local church. It's talking about the universal church has a tongue. He has a ear, has a, you know, nose and Feet and hands, right? The universal church, so no division. Okay, so earnestly desire. The next thing is to keep on going higher with God. Earnestly desire to keep on going higher. At the end, just turn in your Bible to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Let me hear those pages. Are you using a smartphone? Yeah. I can't hear any pages then. You know what a pastor's favorite sound is? The rustling of pages as people turn in the sacred word of God to the scriptures. I'm just saying. At least it's my favorite sound. All right. So look right above chapter 13. What does it say? It says in verse 30, Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all uh, speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. That's where the point came from. Keep on going higher. Keep on, some people want to say deeper. Keep on going higher, deeper with the Lord. That's a thing, okay? And that'll keep you from being divisive with other people as you keep drilling down. All right, and then unity in the church through love. And that was just a precursor to getting us to this week. Yeah, we want unity in this church. We want unity in the church because remember he's talking about universal church. We want uh, unity in the church across Rochester, right? Everybody has their own gifts. Everybody has their own place, uh, uh, role to play. We want unity, okay? And it comes through love. So last week I said, Unity with diversity requires maturity, okay? Unity, we want to be unified, right? With diversity, we're diverse. We believe different things, we look different, we smell different. I don't know if you've got around me yet today, I did put deodorant on, but okay, we, we just, it, it's different. We eat different foods, we, we're just different. But God created us different and he loves us each uniquely and fully. Unity plus diversity or with diversity requires maturity. It does. Okay? Now, what's the most mature thing we can do? Love. Because God is love. And I don't know anything bigger than God. He's the greatest. You're going to see that in this chapter. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm just going to read it for us. If I speak in the tongues or language of men or of angels, right? In an angelic tongue, speaking speaking in tongues, what we would normally call speaking in tongues, other languages. But have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, we sang two songs that mentioned that this this morning. I thought that was awesome how God planned that out. I didn't pick the set. Scott did. Thank you, Scott. But have not love I am nothing if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned like I die but have not love I gain nothing love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. I have that circled in my Bible the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, it's forever, guys. Love is forever. It's so important. This is for eternity. As for prophecies, this is why people don't preach this passage, by the way. Right now, right here. It's clear to me. As for prophecies, they will pass away. Natural question to ask when something is said that it will pass away is? Somebody said it. When? When is it going to pass away? I want to know. Keep reading. As for prophecies, they will pass away. When? As for tongues, they will cease. When? As for knowledge, it will pass away. I want to know when! For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, first clue, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man... I gave up childish ways. I hope that's true for us too. For now, good, you know, we ask when, he's giving some time markers now, now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, when? Then, face to face. Now, I know in part. But then, I shall be fully known even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. They remain forever. But, right, these three, faith, hope, and love, they abide, they remain forever. But the greatest of these is love. All right. Father God, who? feels like a tall task to try to preach and convince and, and um, lay out that love is everything. It's the greatest thing. I can't do it apart from your Holy Spirit. I can't do it apart from you, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So would you fill my mouth with things to say that are beyond me? Prophetic powers, all mysteries, all knowledge. But even with all of that and all faith to move mountains, if I can't say it in love, if the people can't feel the love with which I'm saying it, it means it is nothing. So God, above all, help my tone hmm, and my words to be dripping with love. Because you first loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you four points. I'm going to get my phone out so I can uh, follow along with you in the online bulletin. You can see it right there this week's message. Here's the point Spirit filled people. Remember, we're talking about spirit filled people, we're not talking about people that aren't spirit filled. You can't expect this of people that aren't spirit filled. Right? That's going to get gross. It's going to get weird. It's going to, you're, don't expect your boss at work to do this. We're talking about Spirit-filled people. Right? Spirit-filled people earnestly desire to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Earnestly desire unity in the church. Earnestly desire to do their part. Spirit-filled people do that. Not Spirit-filled people. People that are devoid of the Spirit don't do that. Okay? So, spirit-filled people pursue love. And here's why. Because, number one, loving is better than anything else. Loving, being loving to one another, is better than anything else. Better than lending a hand when somebody needs to move? Yep. That might be the loving thing to do, though. (laughs) Right? But if you're all grouchy about it and you don't have time for this, like, it ain't helping. Right? You're gaining nothing, and they're they're not being helped well. Read the first three verses. This is where I get the point. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I said this last week, how many tongues, how many languages are there in the world? Somebody had to look it up and Google this week. Anybody? 7,000. Okay, so there's a, a ton of languages. Now, would you say heaven's greater or lesser than earth? Okay, that's an easy question. Greater. So, so then why do we go, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels, and we think, well, maybe there's one angelic language. I'm going to go on record as saying I believe that there is more than 7,000. Okay? Because I believe that heaven is greater than earth. More than 7,000 angelic languages. I'm just going just, just to use reason. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to say it. I don't know, but I'm just going to use deduction and I'm going to go, there's more angelic language than not, right? And I said to you, I believe, as I've said, confessed to you, is is it confessed, as I've testified to the fact that God gave me a prayer language last August, as I've testified to that, right? Right? I've testified it, not to make it weird, but to encourage you. There's more, guys. We can go deeper with the Lord, right? And God just happened to say, hey, this is something I want to give to you. Okay, that's great. He might give that to you as well. Are you seeking that? Are you asking for it? Are you desperate for Him? Those are things that I would just say, I was desperate. I was broken. I was like, God, if you're real, there has to be more than this, because this stinks, right? Right, so I was seeking Him. So, The language here, okay, why do I think speaking in tongues is a thing? Why do I not have an allergic reaction, okay? Because it's here in the word, right? I see it, okay. But have not love, what does he say? I am noisy. I'm a nuisance, right? I'm a noisy gong and clanging cymbal. Now, Tate plays drums and he's not a nuisance, but, you know, we hear this sound a lot. Well, not like that. We hear it a lot, like, grab that thing, grab it, you know? Sometimes we hear this. Now, if I'm talking and I'm doing this, can you hear me very well? Because it's kind of fun to do both, right? This is a nuisance. This hurts my ears. This makes me want to go home now. That is what it's like when somebody is like, yep, 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 yep okay? Without love. That is what it's like when somebody's speaking in an unknown language. We call it a prayer language, a tongue, or maybe it's something that needs to be uh, interpreted in the church. When somebody's doing that, it can sound to you, if you've never heard it, like, like a noisy gong, right? Do you know their heart? That's the good question, right? Because does that person love you? Are they doing that, saying that, using that language because they love you or because they don't love you? Now we're judging hearts. Right? Man judges what's on the outside. God judges what's on the inside. Okay? Man judges by appearance. God judges the heart, the inside. Right? But the Bible does say judge with right judgment we went over that last year when we preached through John, I think it's in John 7, could be, no, it's got to be later, 8, 9, I don't know, but I'm not going to pretend like I do when I don't, but it's in that middle section, okay, 7, 8, 9. I'm telling you, I don't want to stand in judgment over anyone, right? You're like, well, you're the pastor, (laughs) that does put me in a precarious position because God's put me in a role of authority to shepherd and protect the church, right? But who's better to do it than me? He is, right? So sometimes I got to follow his lead and go, God, you can protect the church better than I can. I want to, I will, I, you know, what do you want, God, right? So hopefully this is all making sense. I don't want to be a loud gong or a clanging cymbal, and I think he's saying this for a reason. Let's just remember the context. These guys were maybe spirit-filled, maybe not. Using the gift of tongues in inappropriate ways. Speaking gifts were happening in the church, and he was kind of like, "Hey, you guys need some directions. You need some training wheels. You're driving a bike, but you're driving it like it's all over the place. You gotta get get get, get going here." So he's helping them learn how to use the spiritual gifts versus saying, don't do it. Right? He's helping them learn how. Alright. If I have prophetic powers, would that be cool? Like God tells you something before it's going to happen? Isn't that what he said to Noah? Hey Noah, there's going to be a flood. That's prophetic. Well God, it's never rained before. So how's that going to happen? never seen a flood well this one you won't miss it'll be a good first one all right so i mean i could go through the bible to all the prophets and how he said jonah go to nineveh i'm gonna do something right like he just keeps so it'd be pretty cool to have prophetic flowers and i don't think we can't have that i think it is for us today but i don't necessarily have that although when you prayed That was pretty prophetic for our church. I'm just going to say it out loud, not to get weird, but I was like, oh my goodness, he just like put us all in our right place. And I was like, he doesn't even know that our church needed to hear that. That's prophetic powers, But without love, eh, doesn't matter, gain nothing, right? Understand all mysteries, all knowledge, that's not like what you can learn, that's what God teaches you, Right? That's not like, oh, I studied, I have a PhD, I'm really smart. That's not the knowledge he's talking about. This is knowledge given by God. Like, I'm not that smart either, but God sometimes gives me something that's really smart and it's like not me. That's all knowledge, okay? And and then he says, if I have all faith as to remove mountains but not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have. Anybody generous here have the gift of generosity? Go ahead, come on now. I know you don't want to raise your hand. Come on now. Get it up there. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we need to start to celebrate gifts in the body. We can't be like, oh, yeah, I got it. You know, but we got to be like, yeah, I think that's it. Can we test that together? Like we're a body, right? Can we test that? I think I think we're generous. Okay. So there's something there. And some people are being generous, right? But for the wrong reason. To get something, right? To boast about it. If you look at the next page, it says, deliver up my body to be burned. But if you look at the thing down here, some manuscripts say, deliver up my body to death that I may boast. That's what he's talking about. He's like, some people are like, hey, I gave a ton of money. You know? Or, hey, I've been suffering for Jesus. It's been so hard. Oh, my goodness had to walk uphill both ways to church today, you know. And, and believe me, believe me, believe me, there's been days where I'm like, dude, I'm pulling a trailer, I'm getting here at 7, like, and then I'm going to leave at 1, like what in the world? I'm like, and then I remember that I actually get a paycheck and that, and that it actually provides for my family and that you're all volunteering and gaining crowns in heaven while I'm like just making a living. That stinks for me. Sometimes I want to be you. Because I'd still be here at seven. I'd still leave at one, and it wouldn't matter to me because I had an income from a job, right? Like, that's the. I'm just like, sometimes I say to Kimberly, like, if there was a job that could just pay us money so that we could just do this for free, we should do that, right? Here's the point loving is better than anything else, it's better than speaking gifts. He spent a lot of time in the last chapter on speaking gifts. It's better than prophetic powers. You're like, what could be better than being a prophet? Love. Straight up love. Right? And it's better than giving sacrificially. And we could go on and on. It's better than everything. We could just list everything in life. It's better, 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 better. All right. Let me read this from my journal just to close this point up. God gave me this to me, uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago, and I just wrote it down. It's not part of the message, but I think now it should be. Um, pursue love. Pursue the way of love. It's not love over speaking gifts. It's speaking gifts in love. It's not love over prophetic powers. It's prophetic powers in love. That's what he's saying. It's not, no, we don't have to give sacrificially, we just love. Well, that's not going to do anything. Oh, yeah, we will do a little bit. But, like, it's sacrificial giving in love. It's the way of love that makes the things that are powerful explode like dynamite. All right, here's what I said. Or God said. Uh, Tongues without love is a nuisance. It's careless. You can write this down if you want. Tongues without love is careless. Prophetic gifts without love is powerless. Giving without love is worthless, but love is priceless, all right? That will just sum up that point. Let's move on to the next one. Love reflects God's character. Loving reflects God's character. So look at what's next. Everybody, did you have this at your wedding? This isn't really a passage for weddings, but did you have this at your wedding? Okay, a lot of people do. I've never preached this at a wedding, but you could. Love is patient and kind. I think those two words, if you could write those down and put them in your head, if you want to be loving, be more patient. If you want to be loving, be more kind. That's it. You want to be more loving? Be more patient. I'm not a very patient person. You want to be more loving? Be more kind. Sometimes I'm kind. More and more though, being spirit filled, I see patience and kindness coming. Praise the Lord. right? And that's what we want for all of us. So no matter where you're at, more and more and more. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings. Now, I don't know about you, but with, like, when he starts with patient and kind, I'm like, yeah, I get it. And then he goes on to all these negative examples, and I'm like... Why get so negative? Right? He's pointing out their sin. Paul's like, "Hey, let me put my finger in your chest and move it around a little bit. So here's here's it, envy. I want that. Mine." Right? Boasting, "I have that. I have it." I'm the man. Right? Not mine, but I'm already the man. I don't need anything more. Arrogant. <laughs> no need to talk to you. You're beneath me. What? Rude. I don't have time for you. Hurry up. These are not loving postures. I could go on and on and on for sake of time. I'm going to stop there. But not, you know, not being frustrated, not being irritated with one another. Like That's a hard, that's a tall order. I know love is the greatest. That's why we need to pursue it. All right. I want you to flip over in your Bible to, to just nail this point. You have to go. I mean, what's your favorite verse on love? Go ahead. While you're flipping to 1 John 4, what's your favorite verse on love? 1 John 4. Go ahead. Flip over to 1 John 4. What's your favorite verse on love? crickets this is church we read our bible right well, no condemnation i've thought for sure somebody would just like pony up sunday school answer like john 3 16 come on what john 15 yeah that's good that's good yeah Good. I just needed to give you a second. See, I wasn't being loving. I was rushing. Did you see that? Right there. I was rushing you. What's that? What else you got? Romans 5.8. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? First John 3.11. Yes, good. And I want to turn to all these passages. So I'm glad that you're just... Like, just hopefully you're taking some notes and writing it down. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another uh, has fulfilled the law. You skip down to the uh, the end, verse 10. Love does no wrong to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Those are some of my favorite verses on love. But this... Here, in 1 John 4, is the creme de la creme of love. And I want to commentate on it, but I'm going to read it. Here you go. Strap up. You know, just notice that it's right after the first six verses, which are about what? Discerning the spirits. Is this from the Holy Spirit, or is this from evil spirits? See, every time he talks about the Spirit... Spiritual gifts, spiritual people, spiritual things, things that are powerful. Every time he talks about it, then immediately beeline to what? Love. Why? Because it's divisive. It's divisive. So every time he talks about spirits and I mean, that's why we're playing those videos about spiritual beings. Every time we talk about spiritual realm, it's divisive. Because it's invisible. I can't see it, you can't see it, nobody can see it, so we gotta trust each other. No faking it, it's just what it is. And he beelines to love, and look what he says beloved, loved ones, I love you so much, John says. Can you imagine John at 90 years old? He's already been boiled in a cauldron of oil and survived it. He's been on the Isle of Patmos in isolation could go mad and he's writing he's saying hey loved ones I love you let us love one another for love is from God whoever loves has been born of God and knows God anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love I have that underlined in my Bible God is love God equals love the character of God is love in this The love of God. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son, that's Jesus, into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son, that's Jesus, to be a perpetuation, that's a payment for our sins. Beloved, loved ones, it's dripping with love. If God so loved us, me and you, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Good ad. Here's how they're going to see. If we love one another, God abides in us through the Holy Spirit, and his love is perfected in us, which means they're going to see God in our love. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us the Spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god have you done that i want to encourage you again with the gospel do that and be free of your own sin whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. I have that underlined in my Bible. You should underline it in yours. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him through the Holy Spirit. By this is his love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts out love. Our perfect love casts out fear. I was thinking about what I was going to say, so sorry about that. Here's the thing. You ever been afraid? Yeah. Good test. If you're afraid, unless you're afraid of God, a good healthy fear, awe, reverence of God, right? That's good. Not like a powering like dad's gonna hit me but like a good ah woo eh, you know like you're holy right that kind of fear good any other fear you know you're just not filled with the spirit right then right like if I'm scared of something oh my goodness I'm gonna disconnect right because perfect love the love of God casts out fear right I just wanted to say that. So, I'll read it again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, right, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So let's just take it to that moment where somebody speaks in tongues in our service, right? I can't see if God's working or not. I don't know, that's invisible, But I know the person. And I love them. Does that make sense? I don't hate them. I love them. So that should counsel kind of how we feel about things, right? And then getting to understand their heart or why they might have said that or did that or what came over them that that happened. Like this is really important to unity, is understanding the person and the heart of that person because God, I can't see. But I can love them. I can love them. I can love them. Okay, I think you get the point. Let's flip back. 1 Corinthians, I do need to be done. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's wrap it up. There's so much more, but this is good. Let me just read this for you. 1 Corinthians 13, Starting in verse 4, I'm going to read it a little different way. Lest you be like, it's sacrilegious, that's wrong, that's not what the Word of God says. I just want you to know, God is love. God equals God is love. God's character is love. Love is God, God is love, God is love. Okay, alright. Just read it this way, and if you ever need, this will be really helpful for you. God is patient and kind. Think about how God interacts with you. Think about your thoughts about God. If you grew up where I grew up, in a church I grew up in, you might think God was a, a, a whack-a-mole God. That he had the stick in his hand, and if you ever came up and did something wrong, he was going to pound you, right? So what I'm going to do is exercise. That's going to help all of you whack-a-mole God Christians, Okay? To really understand the heart of God. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. Just think about that. He'll let you go your way. God is not irritable or resentful. God's not frustrated with you. He never has been. Just think about that. God came to tell you God loves you. He's not frustrated with you. He never has been. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but God rejoices with the truth. God is truth. God bears all things, He can carry everything. God believes all things, as in He hopes the best, or not hopes, uh, He believes the best about you. God hopes all things. He knows your future, right? God endures all things. God never ends. God never was created, and there's never going to be an end. Love, God loves you. You need to know that. I think sometimes we forget that God loves us, and therefore fear creeps in. God loves you. Whatever you're facing in your life, whatever is a struggle, whatever... You know, disease is a real thing. You don't have to be afraid of disease. Sickness is a real thing. You don't have to be afraid of sickness, right? Spiritual forces is a real thing. Even evil forces are a real thing. You don't have to be afraid of those. If you're a spirit-filled person, the Bible says you'll cast out those things. The Bible says you'll heal the sick. The Bible says you don't have to worry about disease because poison can't touch you, Right? It's all God's. I'm not saying I'm... This isn't on demand. This isn't cable TV. It's not on demand. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit has control of my life. I fear nothing. Right? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Right, next one. Spirit-filled people pursue love because loving endures when other things fade. Look at it. Prophecy, it's going to pass away. Tongues, it's going to cease. Now, when it says the word tongues there, I bet you think of what? What do you think of? Speaking in tongues. Did he say speaking in tongues? No, he just said tongues. What is tongues? Languages. That means English is going to cease. That means French is going to cease. That means, name a language. It's going to cease. And... Since he didn't clarify, that means angelic languages might cease too. But why do we jump to angelic languages that are going to cease since they're in heaven and we don't think tongues are going to cease since that's on earth and the world is passing away? I'm just, just reading the scripture. Now I grew up where this verse right here is being used for tongues can't happen anymore in the church, as in speaking in Tongues. Okay, an unknown language, can't happen in church anymore because it says tongues will cease. And if you read the rest, it says when the perfect comes. And the perfect is the canon of Scripture, and the perfect is written, and so it's done, tongues have ceased. We no longer need that. I believed that for a long time. And I, There's good people that believe that. But I'm reading the scripture for myself with the Holy Spirit and going, that's insane. That's literally crazy. You go, you called John MacArthur insane? I'm not calling anybody insane. I'm just I'm saying that thought, that thought process is nuts. Keep reading. It's so clear, Right? As for knowledge, it'll pass away. When, when, when? I want to know when. For we know in part. Yes, we do. I don't get it all. And we prophesy in part. Yep, we we do. We get little pieces. That was a good prophetic prayer. But when the perfect comes, you're like, what's the perfect? Well, maybe it's when the Holy Spirit fills you. Maybe that's the perfect. Because God's perfect and the Holy Spirit's God. Or maybe it's when Jesus comes back because Jesus is perfect and that's perfect, right? So maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's Jesus. Okay, so i got a couple options, and I didn't pick this as an option, and you'll see why. When I was a child, this is kind of an aside, but it's really good. We need to grow up. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Anybody relate? Yes, I still relate, and I'm trying to grow up into mature manhood, into the measure of the fullness of Christ. But I believe you can do that on this side of heaven. Some people think, no, that's not gonna happen until you see Jesus Christ. I think you can grow in your maturity here. And I think Jesus expects you to. When I became a man, oh, when I became a man, as in Paul says, I already I'm there. Paul's like, I'm there. So oh, I guess you can do it, right? <laughs> I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. That's a good reference to this. We see this, but it's dim. It's not perfect. It's not not like everything God wants to say to you yet. Okay. So, mere dimly, but then face-to-face. Hold on. That's it. Then face-to-face. Are you face-to-face with the Holy Spirit? He's perfect. Are you face-to-face with him? I've never seen him. When are you going to be face-to-face? Oh, that will be glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace I will look on his face, that will be glory. Be glory for me. I, as much as I love the Holy Spirit, and we're tight, this is fun, like, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him face to face. And I have a feeling, because I've read the scriptures, that I'm going to, like that. And I think he's going to put his hand on my shoulder and say, hey, I love you. Come on, let's, let's get face-to-face for a second. I want to talk to you. I've been waiting for this opportunity, right? Whew. Oh, I want that, Lord. Take me home. All right, so then face-to-face. Now I know in part. That's so true. We don't get it all. And then... I shall know fully when, when I'm there face to face with Jesus, it'll all be, it'll all be clear. Even as I have been fully known. Now that really encourages me. I hope it really, you are fully known right now. See, Jesus already knows you fully. You're going to have an opportunity to get face to face with him and know him fully. He knows you fully. You're going to get to know him fully. That's glory. All right. All right. The point is, loving endures when other things fade. What's going to fade? Prophecies are going to fade. When are they going to fade? When I see Jesus face to face. Tongues are going to cease. When are they going to cease? When you see Jesus face to face, you're not going to talk to him in English. All right? Can we just be clear? English ain't coming out. It'll be something else. All right? Get ready for that. All right? Don't be surprised. Don't be allergic. All right. So, second, uh, or third, knowledge right knowledge is going to cease yeah the the not education but God giving us knowledge is going to cease when is it going to cease when is it going to pass away when you see Jesus because you're going to be fully known and you're going to know fully All right have I explained it I think I, I mean I know it's long I get it like you, you're probably hold on for you're like gripping your chair like oh my goodness we gotta go I'm like I'm not going to preach this passage for a while again It's the first time I've preached it in 10 years at our church because I was always scared to preach it because I didn't know what the world it meant. I'm telling you, it's so clear. All right, last point. Loving is the best way to live for Jesus. Loving is the best way to live in the Holy Spirit, to live with Christ, to abide in Him. It says here, so now faith, hope, and love abide. I could tell you so much about faith, so much about hope, how it ties in here, but just, just let it be what it is. Faith. Hope. Faith, like saving faith, like faith to move mountains, it's going it's to be there, right? Hope. Hope of eternal life, it's going to be there. There will always be hope. There will always be faith. There will always be love. And the greatest of all things is love. So, love, loving is the best way to live for Jesus. Right? We walk by faith, not by sight. One day we'll see face to face. Faith will still be a thing. We'll see face to face. But love. When you see Jesus Christ and you look in his face, face to face, love isn't going away. You're going to look into his face. I want to say every day, but I don't know if time's a thing in heaven. So there's no morning and evening probably. I don't know. So maybe it's just going to be like, just always be able to look in his face and see his love for you. All right, enough for today. I love you. And I'm glad to share the word with you. I'm going to invite the team up. I'm going to pray. And we're going to just, we're just going to go back to build my life. And we're just going to sing that chorus bridge, and um, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I would even say Jesus is the foundation. Our focus as believers on the foundation of Christ should be love. So let's stand, let me pray, and these guys will help us close. Father God.